Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's March 14, 2018 and this is episode 611. Today we embark on the second of my 2018 Japan Winter Wildlife Photography Tours which is basically a repeat of the first tour, although no two tours are ever identical. With the speed at which I can now work through my images in Capture One Pro, I have been able to complete all three of my Japan Winter Tours this year, having gone through and made my initial selection of images, and having done most of the processing necessary on my selected images, by the time I finish each tour. This is quite liberating, especially for my wildlife tours as we generally shoot more on a wildlife trip. With my final count for images that I didn't delete at 7,500 plus, I generally only delete images that are technically a mess, like when the camera went off in my hand, etc. So this is pretty much my final count for the trip. Of these, I had around 680 images in my final selection when I got home. This represents images that I had selected and done a little bit of culling, removing some each day, leaving images that I knew I wanted to look at again when I got home. My initial rating to look at something again is 3 stars, and I already started tagging the better of these images with 4 stars, of which I had around 70 images. I really do enjoy being able to get to this point by the end of the trip, because it makes my work much easier after I get home, as I try to catch up on business. I actually lost a chunk of time troubleshooting an email issue earlier this week, and that along with visiting the Canon headquarters yesterday to talk about an exciting project that I hope to be able to share with you soon. I'm now sitting down to prepare this week's episode two days late, so let's get into it. As usual, we started our tour with a drive over to Nagano, southwest of Tokyo, where we'd spend the first three days photographing the snow monkeys. Snow-wise, this has turned out to be another relatively light year, with patches of rock and earth showing through in many areas. I guess... I've probably been spoiled by the times when the snow completely covered the valley, but with a little care, it's still possible to get great shots, even when there isn't full snow coverage. This first image for today is from the first day when I noticed this male monkey, possibly the current alpha male, standing on the outside of the hot spring bath, leaning on its wall, while an elderly female groomed him. Although you'll see some grey patches in the snow, I was conscious to align the background in such a way that the large patches of black rock showing through didn't completely wreck my background. I do like to just study the snow monkeys and try to capture these moments when they are just doing something a little interesting. I shot a whole series of these two together, but I like this one the most as the male monkey gets the skin on his cheek stretched out in order for the older monkey to nip away a flea or whatever she's found 
My settings for this shot were a 320th of a second exposure at f13, ISO 1600 at a focal length of 371mm. I shoot the snow monkeys pretty much exclusively with my 100-400mm lens, as that's all I take into the monkey park with me these days. I had stopped down the aperture to f13, because for most of the time the female monkey was a little further back so I needed a deeper depth of field to get both faces sharp. But of course that wasn't necessary for this shot, as both faces are pretty much the same distance from the camera. The middle full day at the Snow Monkeys was a little bit uneventful for me on this tour. Then on the third morning, in the couple of hours that we have in the park before heading back to Tokyo, there was another flurry of action. One resulting in this photograph. This again was a shot where getting full snow coverage was different and in fact there were a couple of patches of rock showing through on the right corners but I cloned them out. I literally waited though hoping that this mother with her baby clinging to her neck would walk down through this relatively clean patch of snow and of course they were cooperative. My settings for this were an 800th of a second exposure to freeze the movement, and an aperture of f9 at ISO 800, and a focal length of 263mm. A fast shutter speed of around 800th of a second or higher is generally necessary to get moving animals like this sharp. For birds in flight, I like to get between a thousand and up to two thousandth of a second when possible. For information on techniques for getting sharp shots with telephoto lenses, see episode 584. And as usual, you can make a short link to jump directly to that post by just typing mbp.ac584 for the episode number. Also on the final morning, there was a small monkey, maybe two and a half years old, sitting on the post of the steps down to the side of the hot spring pool. He stayed there for a minute or so, while a few of us shot portraits of him, like the one that you can see here. As you can see, for this image, there isn't any snow in the background, but here I was doing the reverse of what I did for the first shot. There was actually a number of patches of snow on the cliffside behind the monkey, so I aligned the camera so that I did not include them. Patches of white on a darker background can be just as, if not more, distracting than having dark patches in the white snow. I know that it can be difficult to keep the background in mind while trying to capture something that might only be possible to shoot for a few seconds but I really feel that this is one of the things that we can train ourselves to do to take our photography to the next level. My settings for this image were 400th of a second exposure at f8, ISO 1600 and a focal length of 278mm. By the way, that isn't a runny nose that you can see on this monkey's top lip. I can see from some of the other photos that it's a scar or a scab that is almost healed. After a nice ride back to Tokyo on the third day of the tour, we headed up to Hokkaido bright and early on day four and kicked off our two days photographing the beautiful red-crowned cranes. 
I personally think these are possibly the most graceful and beautiful birds on the planet. And I always feel privileged to be able to stand close enough to them to get such intimate photographs as this one from our first day with them on tour two for this year. I actually have another shot of this bird still scratching its head, but I feel this frame gives us a better view of the detail of the foot and head of this magnificent bird. That foot looks almost prehistoric to me, giving us a clear indication of the bird's relationship to their dinosaur predecessors. For this image, I was using my 200-400mm lens with the built-in 1.4x extender engaged and zoomed in to the maximum focal length of 560mm. My shutter speed was set to a 1600th of a second at f11 with ISO 1000. I tried to resist including this next image to keep the number of photos and potentially the number of travelogue episodes to a minimum, but I lost my personal battle with this one. Again, I just love the detail in this shot and the fact that there is a beautiful little catch light in the crane's eye. Also, it's interesting, to me at least, to be able to see the crane's pointy little tongue in its open beak. I cropped this down to a square and also cropped down from the top edge for about 5% of the image, but it's still plenty big enough for a large print should I ever need one. My settings were f11 for a 1600th of a second at ISO 1000 and a focal length once again 560mm. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, it often seems as though when we lose one opportunity, we gain something else. For a number of years, there have been so many cranes at the Akan Crane Center that when some of them take off, there are often so many other cranes along the bottom of the frame that it was getting really difficult to make photos like this next image that I want to look at. Of course, the cranes increasing in number is a great thing, but that's only happening in Japan due to the conservation efforts of people in Hokkaido. There is only thought to be just over 3,000 of these birds in existence, with the Hokkaido population now estimated to be around 2,000 and growing, while the Korea and China populations shrink due to degradation of their natural habitat. The reason that there were fewer birds at the Crane Center this year is because of the lack of snow as this leaves the surrounding farmland bare so the cranes can forage in a wider area, removing the need for them to come to the crane centre for food. Not having much snow isn't good for our photography, as the ground can look very messy, but having fewer cranes does make it easier to single them out and get photos of them doing their thing without having too many other cranes in the way. At the end of the first day in Hokkaido, I took the group to a Ural Owl's nest where we quickly photographed the owl, as you can see in this shot. I usually like to shoot this owl in the morning, because there's often light on the bird, but it was overcast, so there would be no harsh shadows, and going at the end of the first day gave us more time on the second day to go back to the cranes quickly after breakfast. I shot this with my 200-400mm lens with the built-in 1.4x extender engaged and a 2x extender fitted 
for a focal length of 1120 millimeters. It is very slightly soft, but just about works. And with the distance that we have to shoot from, it's a viable option. My other settings were 125th of a second on a tripod, of course, with the aperture set to f11 and the ISO at 2500. f11 is, of course, the widest aperture that I can select with both extenders fitted, and I have to manually focus at f11 too, so it's a somewhat challenging shot. The following morning we went to the bridge hoping to photograph the cranes in the mist with some hoarfrost on the trees, but it didn't quite happen. It was slightly too warm, but we did get some nice pink light on the river at some points, as you can see in this image. I did wait until one of the cranes was dancing to release the shutter for this shot, but it's not my best cranes at the river shot. Nothing is guaranteed in nature, of course, so this scene just wasn't to be for this tour, as the following morning had completely black trees. After breakfast we were treated with a flurry of snow at the crane centre, and at one point a pair of cranes that did not have leg bands on sang for me in a clearing, apart from a third distant crane making a cameo appearance, as you can see here. The snow really does transform an image, but unfortunately it didn't fall for long. So, I'm pleased to have got something while it lasted. I also cropped this down a little, as the birds were quite far away, and that helped me to remove a second crane on the left side of the frame too. I also had to clone out hundreds of yellow corn kernels that had been thrown out for the cranes to eat. At least we had a good covering of snow now though, and with it being overcast, the texture of the snow isn't too obtrusive, so in general there was a lot working in our favour at this point. My settings for this image were f11 for a 250th of a second, at ISO 1600 and a focal length of 560mm. I tend to do a lot of what I call crane studies, when there is a crane close to where we stand at the crane centre, and when there isn't much else happening but quite often these become some of my favourite images from the trip. This next image is one of these, probably because it takes a little bit of time to understand what you're looking at. My wife cannot understand this shot, no matter how hard she looks at it. The crane is, of course, twisting his head back around and looping it back to preen its feathers while raising the right wing slightly. I really like it when I can get shots like this with very little difference between the subject and the background. I'm also really happy that, again, there is a bit of light falling on the eye here to separate it from the dark feathers in front of the eye. Without that bit of detail, I think this would be lost. And of course, the detail in the ruffled feathers on the bird's neck and wing as well as the detail in the body, really adds to the appeal of this image for me. I shot this at f11 for a thousandth of a second at ISO 1600 and a focal length of 560mm. Even at f11, the base of the crane's neck is getting slightly soft, but 
That helps to separate it from the head. So this aperture worked well. Okay, so we're at 10 images, but I'm going to talk about two more quickly, as that takes us to the end of the cranes, allowing us to move on to the Hooper Swans next week. This next image is going to look very contradictory after I talked about the lower number of cranes at the Akan Crane Center earlier. Basically, all of the cranes at the center, for some reason, walked to the corner of the enclosure and watched something. We believe a fox had killed and was eating something down there, but it was really strange to watch all of the birds walk calmly over to the corner of the field and just watch. I've called this image Cranescape, kind of paying homage to one of the participants on this trip, Joe Furman, who is a well-known and accomplished photographer, concentrating mostly on birds and other wildlife. Joe's list of publications that have used his images is as long as your arm. As we photographed this, I could hear Joe behind me saying, Birdscape, Birdscape. Having coined the phrase flowerscape, this stuck with me, and I heard Joe use this term a few times during our trip, so I'm going to be occasionally using it too from now on. It is, of course, an amazing success story for the people of Hokkaido, that have brought this population of cranes back from near extinction, although incredibly sad to think that the hundred or so cranes in this photo represent 3% of their entire global population. At the end of our second day with the cranes, we visited a location where I like to do panning shots of the cranes as they fly to the river for the night. It was almost dark by the time the cranes left, but I was able to get this shot at ISO 5000 of the very last group that luckily flew across this beautiful dark background. You won't be able to see it so much in this smaller web version, but there is actually quite a lot of grain in this image, because it was almost completely dark, and even at the high ISO I had to push it a bit to get the detail back. But I like it, so the grain isn't going to ruin that for me. I was panning, of course, using a shutter speed of a 25th of a second at f11 and a focal length of 280mm. Okay, so let's wrap it up there for this week. Note that although our 2019 Snow Monkeys and Hokkaido tours have been sold out for a while now, we are now taking bookings for 2020. So if you think you might like to join us, please take a look at the tour page at mbp dot ac slash ww2020. Thanks very much for listening today. If you enjoy this podcast, please share a link with your friends. Subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast program to ensure an interrupted delivery. If you have a moment to rate our podcast or leave us a review in iTunes, that helps to keep us relevant in the huge number of podcasts out there now. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, etc. And links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com, so do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode. But in the meantime, you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye. <laughs>